Forbidden and banned, the bane of bureaucrats, exposing mainstream media's weapons of mass distraction. Flying under the radar and dropping truth bombs on tyranny. It's Liberty Now. It's John Verd, trainer, piper, navy diver, and liberty lover with another episode. Got a great one for you today. That tune was in honor of Dr. Paul Thomas, who grew up in Zimbabwe, formerly Rhodesia, and that was called the Rhodesian Regiment on the pipes. So let's get into the interview. Kia ora, hello, and welcome to Liberty Now. Thank you for stopping by. This is going to be a great episode today. I'm going to be interviewing with Dr. Paul Thomas, who's in Portland, Oregon, and he's been observing a lot of the things many doctors around the world have with regard to uh, injuries or possible fatalities with the uh, purported vaccine or mRNA gene therapies. So it's going to be an interesting discussion and uh, looking forward to hearing more about his research. Paul, Kyoto, hey, welcome. Thank you. You're uh, on the other side of the world, I hear. Yeah, I'm, I'm down under, down under. Thank you very much for taking the time to come Absolutely. on the podcast. Tell me a, lo a little bit about your uh, background. What is your primary occupation or, or was it? And uh, a little bit of your bio. Sure. Thanks. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. So I am a pediatrician. I actually grew up in Africa, so closer to your part of the world than uh, I am now. Uh, oh, yeah. Finished, finished high school over there. My parents were missionaries, went over there when I was age four, finished high school in Swaziland, came to the States, college, medical school at Dartmouth Medical School, wanted to be a pediatrician, became a pediatrician. I was board certified from 1991 through this year. Uh, the story is I no longer am board certified because when the Oregon Medical Board took my license, uh, December 3rd of 2020, the medical boards, I, I was board certified, both pediatrics and addiction medicine, uh, removed those certifications. So, uh, wow. of course, I lost all insurance contracts, hospital privileges, uh, everything. So, yeah. but what led up to that was this. So, you know, in pediatrics, and I've been a very busy clinician, I, I primarily, what I love to do is take care of children. And uh, I, do a, I do a lot of that and I do it well. Um, in the early 2000s, I was just watching this explosion of chronic health problems in kids. And I think the most disturbing were the severe neurological things that were starting to show up. And in the most extreme case would be a severe case of autism, for example. This was yeah. all brand new. I mean, it was just, there was no autism when I was growing up, period not a single case that I ever encountered. Uh, there was actually no real ADD or ADHD. So there was no real ADD or ADHD. We didn't have, I didn't have a single case of eczema, asthma, allergies, autoimmune conditions, diabetes, um, none of that growing up. So we're starting to see more and more of this. And as a pediatrician, I'm going, why? What the heck is going on? So as you start to do a deep dive into the literature, the peer-reviewed literature that's already out there that's published, you start becoming aware of the fact that, my goodness, there are a lot of toxins in our world that are causing health problems, either direct toxicity or overstimulating the immune system. 
And vaccines right. became one of the things I became aware of because I remember in medical school, they always taught us watch out for iatrogenic causes of disease. In other words, things we are doing as doctors that are causing the problems that we're seeing. Right. Somehow, in fact, on that, could I ask, because um, that, that reminds me of uh, something that's, that's new to me, a, a new term, uh, terrain theory versus germ theory. Is that a little bit about what you're talking about? So that's another whole issue that's massively important to what we are going to be talking about, which is you know what I believe to be vaccine injury uh, as a major reason we have so many chronic health problems today. But yeah, to touch on that uh, terrain, um, you know, the, there was this big debate back in the early vaccinology years uh, about, you know, whether if you had a, a good constitution, like your, your, we now know about the biome, right? The, the by bacterial diversity within our own bodies, that's yeah. the terrain. And if your terrain is healthy, in other words, lots of diversity, you don't have what we call these days dysbiosis, where you've got overgrowth of bad organisms and a you know, lack of good organisms, let's just say in your biome or your terrain, then you're more vulnerable to disease. And uh, it's, it's turned out we now recognize that to be very much the case. And uh, as opposed to the other approach, which is just war on bacteria or a war on right. viruses, right? right? So the vaccine industry grew up with that theory of, you know, these are organisms we have to fight. It's a war. And it's a poor right. analogy and it's not playing out very well. So back to, back to sort of my awakening in the early 2000s, you know, we've really got something happening on a massive scale that's problematic for our health. I witnessed in 2004, five, six, and seven, each of those years, a normal one-year-old regress into severe autism. Now, the first time I saw it, I was thinking, huh, so that's what autism looks like. I mean, it was ter terrifying. You've got a normal heard kid about who no longer before. makes... Yeah, no longer makes eye contact. Um, they're in pain. They're flapping. They're crying. They're, you know, their their GI tract is a mess. Wow. Uh, after after seeing that a few times, all right, okay, you start li listening to parents tell their story, and I've heard hundreds of these stories, John. Normal kids regressing into severe nonverbal autism, and it's just undeniable that it's happening. Right, first of all, right. The, the why of it so all was firsthand accounts of this. People observing it. Um, but you've, you've gone beyond that, right? You've, you've actually done some research, looked right. at data. Right. So, so this is what was lacking. We have had the CDC and the NIH and big health institutions sitting on masses of data, but nobody's looking. Or if they've looked, they're afraid of what they see and they won't publish it. So right. we've needed what's called vaxxed, unvaxxed studies to actually compare uh, comparable groups who are vaccinated and who are unvaccinated. So I looked at that data. I got an institutional review board, uh, which is IRB approval to look retrospectively at my data. I did that in 2015, attempted to get it published. I was unsuccessful. I'm, I'm a clinician. I'm not a researcher, you know, by background. Uh, right. And they don't like publishing this information, by the way, that, that might show vaccines in a negative light. So I ended mm. up writing my book, The Vaccine Friendly Plan, published in 2016. And it was shortly thereafter that I started receiving a lot of complaints from the medical board. I started getting pressured by the public health system here in Oregon, where I'm at. And in February, what of were the complaints about? What, what were they complaining? Well, they weren't complaints from patients. From everything I could tell, this was just fishing expeditions trying to um, 
basically disrupt my practice, I think, and try to build yeah. a case. Uh, I mean, what they've found, we, we know from Wakefield's experience and lots of other doctors have experienced this situation where if you're bringing a narrative that's not in line with the public health narrative that they want, they try to get rid of you. And medical boards give you your license to practice, so they also have the power to remove it. And if you can remove a doctor from practice, you've discredited them. Therefore, their information in their eyes is discredited, right? So that's the, right. the motivation, I believe, is to discredit me because, first of all, the information in my book, which has over 100 peer-reviewed references uh, cited, is taking a shot at the CDC schedule in a way. I mean, it's saying, here's a different way you might do things. All I'm about is informed consent. Parents, you should have the right, right. to decide how you vaccinate your child. I mean, we do informed consent for surgeries. We do it for most other medications. Why wouldn't we do it for injections that are vaccines? Right. So anyway, in February of 2019, they said, prove that the vaccine-friendly plan is as safe as the CDC schedule. And I literally laughed because the CDC's never proved that what they're doing is safer than doing nothing. And they don't prove... <laughs> Any, any given year, wow. they tend to add something or compress the schedule, and they never compare the new recommendation to the old recommendation. I mean, all we can do as good scientists is look at outcomes around the world, right? Because different countries have different vaccine schedules. Right. The United States has one of the most aggressive, if not absolutely the most aggressive vaccine schedule in the world, and yet we have the worst infant mortality in the world. If you look at all the industrialized countries, is that an yeah, you know that 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 was a shock to me actually prior to moving to New Zealand. I was sort of doing my homework about um, different places in the world we were thinking about moving to another country. And New Zealand looked like a really good place. And we were just doing our you know due diligence and looking at the Fraser Institute index of top countries. They rank the top 200 countries by you know um, infant mortality and health and economy and, and those you know, a wide range of things. And New Zealand at the time was uh, seventh, uh, top seven in the world, which was fantastic, I thought. Yeah. And, and the US, and this was about eight years ago, was 17th. Yeah. And infant mortalities was a shock to me. I was yeah. like, how is one of the, the, the top industrialized nation in the world? How, how are we having such a high infant mortality rate compared right. to what we would think of, you know, as backwards countries. Yeah, well, there's a good explanation for it. I mean, there's lots of explanations, but one of them is simply SIDS. It's called Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. And right. it's been published in peer-reviewed literature. If you look at when those deaths are happening in relation to when infants get vaccines, they are clustered right around the week after vaccines. If you compare the week after vaccines to the week before vaccines, it's crystal clear. There's almost no SIDS deaths the week before vaccines, they're clustered the week after. Unbelievable. You know, I had started to wonder about this because only recently when I started questioning some of these vaccine schedules, and um, I remember all kinds of wild theories about, um, you know, children being neglected or having a smoker in the house or all yep. these, oh, these yeah. different things. It was, it was a complete mystery. Nobody was looking at that. No, I was taught as a young pediatrician, this was when the back to sleep program started and there was this huge effort and I, I, I believed it because it was coming from the Academy of Pediatrics and all the people we're supposed to trust that, oh, kids are just smothering themselves. You got to put them on their backs. And so they had the back to sleep program. Right. They, 
They blame the smokers. And look, SIDS, SIDS has reduced. And yeah, it probably did reduce. I think there was a little bit of um, play with the data when they published some of those things from my analysis, what I've seen in the past. But there's no denying this clustering after vaccines. Those studies hadn't been done until more recently. Uh, so that's just one factor. We know that vaccines given very quickly to an immature immune system trigger something called immune activation. This has been published right. extensively. Immune activations triggers autoimmunity. Uh, autoimmune, uh, autoimmunity is where your own immune system is attacking self. And that's not a good thing if you've got a young developing right. brain, for example. So mechanisms of direct toxicity and immune activation as the reason or one of the ways in which vaccines are causing problems are known. We just didn't have the data though. So anyway, when the board asked me to prove that the vaccine friendly plan was as safe as the CDC schedule, I decided, actually somebody gave me this idea. It was a brilliant idea. Do a quality assurance analysis of your data. And you know what? All clinicians should do this. All major practices and, and health plans should do this. When there's an intervention, whatever it may be, look at the before and after those interventions and see if it was a good thing to do. So I had an expert come in, pull every single patient born into my practice, over 3,000 patients, over 500 were unvaccinated and the rest were variably vaccinated. And we simply looked at all health outcomes. And what we did was we just published that in a peer reviewed journal. You know, if your viewers haven't seen it, it's this paper here and the Orange Are line. you able to, uh, <clears throat> can you send me that link? I will uh, put a PDF on my website for that. I'll Anybody that's that, looking. I'll send you that paper, but basically the orange line are the vaccinated <clears throat> kids over 10 years and the blue line is the unvaccinated. And for every single thing we looked at, the more vaccines you got, the more problems you had. And we're talking about things like um, asthma, allergic rhinitis, breathing problems, behavioral problems, ADHD, respiratory issues, and all kinds of infections from ear infections to eye infections to lung infections, sinus infections, and then all the allergy things like eczema, allergic rhinitis. And you think to yourself, wait a minute, I thought vaccines are supposed to reduce infections. Right. Here's the dirty little secret, John. When they do studies on vaccines, let's just say we're going to study the whooping cough, which is a scary thing for infants. And it is a scary right. thing for infants. I'm not denying that. We'll do a study and we'll look at whether or not the vaccinated kids developed antibodies against whooping cough compared to the unvaccinated kids. Well, of course, you're, you're stimulating the immune system against whooping cough. Of course, you're going to get antibodies. And then you just assume this is a success. But what they never have right. done is looked at all health outcomes. Actually, there was a study done published not that long ago out of Africa that looked at the DPT and its effect on all health outcomes. And they showed that the vaccine was increasing infant mortality in that country in Africa. So anyway, wow. this study that we published shows when you look for all health outcomes, the more you vaccinate, the more problems you have. That's kind of a landmark, oh my God, what the heck is going on here? Why didn't we know this? Now, if mine was the only study, you could say, oh, that's an outliner. It's an outlier. And now, of course, they've had it retracted, which is what the other thing they do is they attack the journal that publishes it. And I don't know how they scare them, but somehow they scare them to pull it. And it was retracted yep. in an abnormal way. Normally, this was a very rigorously peer-reviewed article. So we did all right. jump through all the hoops to meet the peer-review standards. And they were very, very severe. On I mean, we gave them everything they needed. So- 
when it gets challenged, we're supposed to have the opportunity to have a rebuttal on online. So you see what the sure, challenge that's, is. That's protocol. That's standard. That's right? standard protocol. We were denied that. And so anyway, it got <laughs> retracted. That's their way of trying to discredit it. But this, John, this is just real world data. It's the, it's the practice I live in. It's real patience. This isn't some obscure analysis. So right. this is powerful data. When I travel the country speaking, uh, I'm sharing other vaxxed, unvaxxed studies. Uh, Brian Hooker and Neil Miller have published a couple of them in the last two, three years. Uh, there's a phenomenal study uh, called The Control Group. People can go to thecontrolgroup.org and you can download the whole 500 pages. Uh, incredible study that looked at the difference between vaxxed and unvaxxed in the whole United States. They, they got surveys from 48 states. And that study showed it was very similar to my own findings, but then they had adults as well. So they were able to show no heart disease, no diabetes, no cancer in the unvaxxed. I mean, that's shocking. Wow. That is shocking. We need more data, not less, right? right. So that, that's the bottom line. So anyway, what, fast what was, forward. What was the name of the, uh, the quality control uh, paper that you wrote? What was the title? Of my paper? Yes. Relative incidence of office visits and cumulative rates of build diagnoses along the access of vaccination. It was published in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. Nice. And what, what was the, uh, how big a, a sample was this? In, this is like a, an epidemiological study across. Um, you talking about mine? US? Or was this, yeah, your paper? No, my paper is is my patients. Your patients, okay. Yeah, they're they're all the patients, every single one that was born into my practice. We made no exclusions. So a lot of times when you do epidemiological studies or when pharmaceutical companies do research, they'll have all these exclusions, and it enables them, I think, to sort of get the data they want. And right. I actually had an independent guy come in, de-identify the data. Uh, he was able to say, I mean, it was so funny. He came in, he's a nerd and he goes, he's a pediatrician, neonatologist, informatics expert. He comes in and says, Paul, I'm a data nerd. I love data, but I, we're just going to see what we can find. I don't, I don't know if you're going to like what I find. I said, hey, let's see what we find. It truly was a blinded situation. And he came out and he says, I can't believe this data. Your unvaxxed people just don't get sick. So he was shocked with what he found. But what he did was he de-identified the data and that was shipped off to my co-author who was working with just empty data sets. He had no idea right. who's who, who did what or got what. He just had to create the analysis tools to, to figure it all out. So yep. it was as, about a, as pure a study as you can get. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if you're aware of the, uh, the recent um, lawsuit, I'm sure you are, uh, with the FDA involving Pfizer and the trials that were conducted um, to, to uh, allow emergency use authorization. And uh, there was a whistleblower talking about, you know, talking about data and, and how the protocols that they ran under and none of the standards were followed apparently. Yeah. And they were leaving off huge sets of like mortalities, for example, yeah. off of their studies. Yeah, I read about that. And that's so worrisome when you have financial interests uh, of the magnitude that we've seen with this COVID virus vaccine uh, or, or shot, if you will, a genetic right. therapy. Um, yeah, the profits are too huge to, to, to think that they're, they're going to be completely above board and ethical and they're going to give you everything. 
I mean, it's so obvious what's happening. Anyway, back right. to, to finish out my story. Uh, five days after my article was available online, I got a call from my attorney. The medical board had an emergency meeting and they suspended my license. Bam. Wow. I could not practice medicine. That was on December 3rd, 2020. So it's been a little over a year. I am back in the office with restrictions. I can't talk about vaccines. I can't see well children. Uh, they even put a restriction. I can't do research. Uh, most recently, I got a uh, big letter saying I can't talk about any of the board actions, that this is uh, basically a, a huge gag order. So um, wow. it's very interesting stuff. So my response to that was my attorney said, Paul, you should just settle. They were offering me um, if I never see kids again, uh, I never do research. And uh, what was the third thing? I forget what the third thing was, but just ridiculous restrictions. They'll let me keep my license. And I says, well, I'm a pediatrician. What? That makes no sense. The, right. What, what good is it? if you? Can't... I mean, the people who are trying to keep supposedly keep us safe from, from you know, rogue doctors or whatever are going to tell a pediatrician, go take care of adults. Uh, it just, it's bizarre. Right. Absolutely bizarre. But my attorney says it's going to cost a quarter million dollars to fight the board because they're going to come through with fines. They're, they've already trying to get a million dollars in fines passed. Um, but he's pretty sure, you know, there'll be massive fines that I'll probably be made to pay for their attorney costs. And plus, of course, my own attorney costs. So he says a minimum of a quarter million just to get through the January trial that's proposed for two weeks long. So I started a fundraiser, drpaulsfight.com. And uh, anybody that's interested in fighting for medical freedom, uh, the right to inform consent, uh, join the movement, drpaulsfight.com. You have an opportunity there to donate if you have the means, but you know what? If you don't, I understand. These are hard times for so many people. There's a yep. button there for prayer. So people who, who can't donate but nice. have that power of prayer, just go pray. Uh, and then there's also a button to share. So you can share it with people you know who care about this issue of medical freedom, informed consent. That's really what all I'm fighting for. Um, it's, it's why I'm here on this earth. I mean, here's the funny thing. It's not even funny. It's like, what else would I do? I am uniquely placed, John, in a practice that has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of unvaccinated children, thousands of thousands of partially vaccinated children, and thousands and thousands of fully vaccinated children. Nobody else. Uh, show me another pediatric practice in this country or in the world that has that demographic. I am uniquely able to see what nobody else can see. Because yeah, you the, stand, are. the standard practices discharge patients who won't vaccinate. They're kicked out. And they have so few that they really don't have enough experience to see what I see. I have two waiting rooms, a well waiting room and a sick waiting room. My sick waiting room is almost always empty. My well waiting room is standing room only packed. What the heck's going on? It was never that way in my old practice. My old practice was this massive waiting room full of sick children coming in with ear infections and coughs and sinus infections and lung infections. I mean, sure, we still see them, but nothing like we right. used to. There is something very powerful about a natural immune system, a robust immune system. In fact, Absolutely. I'll use that story to pivot about COVID because people in the world today are so nervous about COVID. Let right. me tell yeah, you what, what is the mortality really? I yeah, mean, what is the, the mortality really? So I have a practice of 10,000 children, right? Pediatrician, 10,000 patients. How many of my patients have ended up in the ER, hospital, or died from COVID? Take a guess. Uh, I don't know if we're to believe the, 
the uh, numbers that we've been told by the media and the government, uh, probably like uh, 2% of that. Yeah, zero. <laughs> Not a single child, to my knowledge, has been to the ER. For sure, I would know about hospitalizations. There have been no hospitalizations, and there's definitely been no deaths. Zero out of 10,000 for the entire two years of the epidemic, pandemic, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, when I watch the news, and I don't, I haven't watched the news in almost a year. I used to watch it just to know what my patients were watching. So I knew how to respond right. to what they were coming in with. But it, it, it got to where it was just annoying and stressful to even turn it on for five minutes because it was a nonstop um, regurgitation of falsehoods. I mean, it was just like nonstop lies. And oh my gosh, I can only take so much of it. I just found it stressful. So yes. I urge people to realize that the natural immune system that you have, that you are born with, is so robust and powerful when it comes to COVID. Uh, and there are things you can do to actually even make it better. So most people are vitamin D deficient, for example. That's a simple thing. You can go to your local drugstore and get enough vitamin D to get your levels in the optimal range. And that will do huge benefits. Of course, mainstream is going to say that that's misinformation that I'm giving you. But yeah, I've seen that more than once. There are so many studies about the benefits of vitamin D and the immune well, system. Well, if, if vitamin D were, you know, not so effective, you know, why would they have been adding it to milk? As a kid, I remember, you know, you could go buy vitamin D milk. They right. thought it obviously was important enough that we better supplement it. That's, a, you know, you make a real good point. Um, so kids do absolutely fine with COVID, the illness. And in fact, I mean, when it first started, of course, none of us knew how dangerous it was. The, the way it was brought out to the world on the, through the media was this, this massive deadly virus. We're all going to die. And everybody ran scared because we didn't know what we were dealing with. We right. now know with examples like from Sweden that never closed down, other examples like that. Uh, there's a school in Florida that uh, won't vaccinate, won't do masking, and they've had absolutely no problems. Almost everybody there has had COVID and they're all doing fine. It's, it's well, maybe like, the virus just stays away from certain places. <laughs> no, we're all going to get it. It's just a common cold. <laughs> this is a coronavirus. Right. Now, this particular right. one, I believe uh, it's there's some mischief involved in how it came about because you can follow up. Oh, there, yeah, there's ample evidence that Dr. Fauci lied about. It. He perjured himself. Yeah. Uh, in I front mean, of Congress. Whole, I mean, there's a whole paper trail of patents. And, and so we yeah, know exactly the gain of long function. before 2019. Yeah. The gain of function work that was going on that is very tied in with this. So, yes. It is not a nice coronavirus. We do not necessarily want to get it. And certainly if you're high risk, you should be careful. But sure. there are natural ways to boost your immune system so you will do fine and natural ways to recover. But for kids, this is, this is my big push, my big message. If you're a parent and you're listening, your job is to protect your children. They are coming after our kids with mandatory vaccines and by calling it a vaccine, which is a, a stretch, honestly, in this case, because it doesn't prevent infection, it doesn't prevent transmission. Didn't so, they just redefine vaccine? Yeah, uh, that was it the CDC? Yeah, uh, in order that. because this talking point started coming up, and so they felt the need to redefine what a vaccine is. Yep. So they softened what it really means so that this could qualify by getting it instituted, called a vaccine. Uh, because in the United States, we have the Childhood Vaccination Act, Immunization Act of 1986, 
it then allows it to be, once it gets onto the childhood schedule, which is why the big push to get it onto the childhood schedule, then there's no liability for the companies. So right, right now the companies don't have liability because it's an emergency use. And under the Patriot Act, they had slipped in some, some clause where they, they would have no liability. But when they get it on the childhood schedule, now again, no liability. <clears throat> what a crazy idea to have a dangerous product. There's nothing related to vaccines that's ever been as dangerous as this. I mean, when you look at the VAERS data, it just, it's just beyond imagination how they could continue doing this program. I mean, yeah. Can you can you address that? Like, so um, because I, I know myself and, and a lot of people want to go look at the data. They're like, okay, is this really true? And you want to back it up. And you know, the easiest, uh, most reliable source I would think is um, looking at the vaccine adverse events reporting system. Yeah. Um, and the first thing you will see on all Google or any other search results is going to be debunking. Varus is not reliable. I can't tell you how many articles <laughs> I've seen, how unreliable that source of data is. Right. So uh, you want so, to address that? Yeah. So VAERS is what the government has used to look at the safety of various things, especially for vaccines, of course. And uh, there's lots of government policies that are made based on this data. Uh, they've used this data to, to look at the safety of other vaccines. Um, people can go to openvares.org and it is a much easier um, way of getting the reports. I mean, I'm looking right now at the November 26, 2021 report. We're almost at 20,000 deaths. We're almost at 100,000 hospitalizations. Uh, we're almost at a million reports of adverse events. It's just insane. And then at the bottom of that report, you can see the clustering of all these reports are right after the vaccines. And then you can right. also look, you can also look at a graph where you'll see that if you look at all the deaths reported in VAERS for the 30 years that that system has been in operation, right. there's almost none. And then cumulatively, we far exceeded it in just one year. Yeah, uh, I heard there was something like a 200% increase in adverse events just in the last year since coincidentally, right when the vaccine started rolling out and being pushed on the public. And it's never come into question before. It's always been a, a great system. As you say, it's been right. uh, referred to for public policy until now. Yeah, no, it's it's become clear. And folks, if, if you're just feeling in your gut that something's off, trust your gut, trust your instinct. Yep. Something is really, really off right now in our world with how they've rolled this out, how the entire mass media from, uh, you know, online media to ma major news channels are, they're all bought and paid for by big, big dollars that come from the interest that are wanting to roll this out. Right. Yeah, there are people yeah, who follow the money trail, follow the money. They're, they're the rich are getting richer. The middle class is disappearing and the poor are hurting. It, it's, yep. it's tragic. I mean, it, it's, if we want truth and justice and love in our world, we cannot follow this path. This is one of those moments in history where we're being called to take a stand. And, and what's so yes. difficult about taking a stand is that for so many people, I mean, if it's the difference between working or not working and you're barely putting food on the table, what do you do? Right. Right. And so they're we're, using, we're seeing that right now here in New Zealand, um, you know, our lovely <laughs> prime minister, Jacinda Ardern has now, mandated for almost across all industries. And this is also interesting to me how they pick and choose certain industries 
or um, work environments to mandate vaccines. I mean, if this was the pandemic that it was claimed to be, it should be, you know, across everywhere. I don't, I don't understand how the virus affects, you know, some people and not others. So I, I have uh, decided not to get the jab and uh, I am now no longer employed. I've been in the fitness industry for 25 years. I was managing uh, a club and uh, I'm no longer allowed on premises. And yeah. that story is being replayed all over New Zealand, around the world as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, that's supposed to stop the virus. But yet um, I can go to the grocery store for the time being, but I can't go into um, like a, a bowling alley where there's less people. Sure. So I, I don't quite understand the logic of that. If people would just stop and use their rational, rational mind and think, and just question things a little bit yeah and uh look where the financial interests are yep no and the the whole masking thing in the state of oregon where i live we still have mandatory masking indoors um and although you can walk into a restaurant with your mask on sit down at the table and take it off and it just yeah your common sense little indicator meter should be going wait a minute uh, the virus only infects you while you're walking in, but it's fine to sit at the table. Or in this country, you can watch right. professional sports now and, and the athletes, whether it's football or basketball, I mean, they're banging into each other. They're not wearing masks. The stands in some states are completely packed with unmasked people. And, right. and in other states, they're all masked up. It's like, but everybody's are, doing... Are, are we seeing a huge increase in hospitalizations? I know we're hearing about all these variants... Um, but I, I don't know that we're seeing a lot more actual hospitalizations you know, uh, they, they from report, people who have been unvaccinated, that is. Yeah, the reports come in that the hospital hospitalizations are going up, right? But they don't report when they're going down. They only report when they're going up. And so they go right. up and down, then they go up and down, they go up and down, they go up and down. And uh, the biggest problem we've had in this country, I don't know what it's like in New Zealand, but hospitalization with COVID, not from COVID. So hospitals, right. hospitals were massively incentivized to diagnose COVID. They would instantly get a much higher benefit from the insurance companies. And so of course you're gonna test everybody. And of course you would use the PCR that was, had a very high false positive rate because that was to your economic benefit. Right. So they exactly. used tests with super high false positive <clears throat> rates and I mean, I have a, a very close friend, actually my co-author for both of my last books. Um, she had a friend hospitalized in uh, sort of end stage issues for, a, I, I think it was renal, I, uh, some kind of organ failure. And she was going in basically for end of life uh, desperation type care, uh, didn't have COVID, but got a positive test in the ER. So they put her on the COVID ward and my friend stayed with her the entire time without a mask. She refused. And uh, she's unvaccinated, no mask, didn't get COVID, uh, stayed in her room the entire time. Uh, that's the kind of example I hear over and over again of these are the numbers, right? That's a COVID patient who could right. die from her underlying condition and it would be a right. COVID, it would be a COVID death. So we have this massive distortion of the numbers by you know, hospitalization with COVID, deaths with COVID rather than from COVID. Um, data is coming right. around from parts of the world where it's pretty clear that the highly vaccinated are actually getting sicker, 
uh, more often with these new variants uh, than the unvaccinated who have, especially if you're unvaccinated and you've had COVID, you have a natural immunity that is so robust, you're probably protected against all the variants that come down the line. And uh, Peter right. McCullough has been speaking around the country and around the world. He's probably the world's leading expert who actually treats patients. He's published 40 articles. And I was with him at a conference. We rode in the car together. And wow. he, made the, he made the comment. He says, Paul, I can't seem to get COVID and I'm trying. So he had COVID <laughs> back. He had, right. he had it back in 2020. And he's, he knows his immune system is good. So he takes care of COVID patients without a mask, gets right in their face. And he says, I can't get COVID. That is just why you don't have to be fearful. If you're a parent of a child, they're not going to get sick. They're not going to get very sick. I mean, you might get a cold, you might get a slight cough. Uh, that's all I've seen with all my patients who've gotten it, COVID that is, the disease. And then right. they're immune. They're protected forever. That's how we should have been handling this pandemic before. Well, now we know let's do what's right. Unmask your kids, send them to school, let them play like normal, bang into each other, get dirty, whatever they want to do. Right. If they get COVID, that's a good thing, not a bad thing, because now they provide that shield, what they call community immunity or herd immunity, if you will. That's a term that came from natural infection, not from vaccines. So, right. We, yeah, we've always, I mean, we've never seen such a threat to humanity until now from a, a coronavirus. I mean, we, these things have been around forever. This, this yeah. one has been manipulated and modified, but apparently it's um, not that much more severe. No. Um, in the time that we have remaining, um, tell us a little bit, what is uh, Against the Wind? Gotcha. That's one of your so, projects. So when they, when they took my license, December... 3rd, 2020. Um, instantly, I had wide open schedules like, wow, yeah, okay, what am I supposed to do? So I went on a fundraiser just because I knew I had to have a legal fund. And uh, that's been depleted with this massive onslaught that I'm facing. So I started the drpaulsfight.com recently to, to, to continue the fight, really. But yeah. back last January, February, after I had done my legal fund and, and, um, I decided why not create a show where I bring experts, much like you're doing right now, interviewing me. I interview experts from around the world. It's called Against the Wind, Doctors and Science Under Fire. And you get to that show at doctorsandscience.com. So doctorsandscience.com. I'll share that link. Thank you. So doctorsandscience.com, or you can go to drpaulsfight.com and, and there's a link there as well. Um, this show, we're weekly. We've now been picked up by CHD TV. So Children's Health Defense TV is a 24-hour uh, a day program. I'm one of the anchor shows on that program. Excellent. Um, we are bringing you the information that you won't get on mainstream. Okay. I just, I kept yeah. seeing this total absence of real solid information that people needed to make good decisions. I mean, even my own family. I mean, I had my mom say, well, Paul, how can all the doctors and all the news stations have it wrong? And you're right. I mean, she was really asking me that question. And I, yep. and I mean, I've shown her my data. I've shown her my study. She knows me. She knows my heart. I said, mom, every single one of those news anchors, do you think they did independent research or are they reading from a teleprompter? Exactly. They're reading from a teleprompter. Well, exactly. who's feeding them what they read? It's all coming from a source that has a message that they want to control. 
Right. And I've shown on this podcast and I've seen it on so many others over and over. That's probably one of the first things, the, the most important things I think people need to understand is that the mainstream establishment media is bought and paid for. And who is their biggest funder? Who's their biggest sponsor or advertiser? Big Pharma. Big Pharma. You know, it's, I think, the second most lucrative, the second biggest industry next to the military industrial complex yeah. is pharmaceutical worldwide. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, they, Del Bigtree, who started his show, The High Wire, uh-huh. He yep. faced a similar thing. So he was a producer for the doctors, right? It was the show that was quite popular. And when they tried to tackle the vaccine story, he was told he couldn't. And, and as he was getting the information about what was going on with vaccines, he says, this is the doctor's show. This is the most important information the world needs. Can't touch it, he was told. So he left and started his own show. I mean, yep. you know, the, the mainstream media is no longer reliable at all all when it comes to health issues. I mean, if they're reporting on some natural disaster or the weather, sure. I mean, you know, that those are non-controversial topics. (laughs) Yep. If they're reporting on a topic that affects business, you've got to question their narrative because it's very, very, very distorted in a way that supports whatever the financial interests are of the people that have control of the messaging. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, our politicians uh, also are, are just working hand in glove with the media to get across the message that they want. And the pharmaceutical industry is just a revolving door of CEOs um, and um, senators and governors and people working in, in government moving straight across into positions in the private sector with pharmaceutical yeah. countries. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So I don't see how anybody can think, well, I mean, if people don't know that, then, um, you know, that they would just have their traditional views that, you know, they can believe what they see on TV. Yeah. But we have come to a point in history where that is no longer true. Yeah. Conflicts of interest and financial incentives are now so powerful and so strong. For example, my peers, I, I keep wondering where, where are my peers? Why are they not kind of realizing what's going on? The bottom line is I published another paper this last year about the financial incentives to vaccinate. They are so powerful. I lose over a million dollars a year on just the administration fees that I don't get from the vaccines I would have given if I was following the CDC schedule. Now, mind you, wow! I don't follow the CDC schedule. I tell my patients this is the recommended schedule. So I'm not hiding that fact from them. I show them what the CDC recommended schedule is, but then I say, Do you want more information? That's the process of informed consent. And people come to my practice because they want more information. In fact, most of these days come knowing that they don't want to do vaccines. And sometimes, you know, I've got situations where I really think they should get a vaccine and I'll tell them, you know, this is a situation where I think it's warranted. And that doesn't matter though. They want cookie cutter, one size fits all medicine and follow the protocol because that's what's lucrative. That's what's lucrative. Uh, just to repeat again, uh, so people can help you if they go to uh, drpaulsfight.com. Correct. And doctorsandscience.com. That's right. Excellent. And uh, you have a, a regular weekly show uh, called Against the Wind. Is that on YouTube or 
Probably not. <laughs> no. So I host it myself and it's now hosted also on the Children's Health Defense TV. So you can go to the childrenshealthdefense.org and look at, click on their live button and that take, or I think it might say TV now. Uh, and you'll find my show there. It's a, it's a weekly show airing on Wednesdays. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's important information, folks. We, we bring some of the best people who really know what's going on. And uh, that's your only hope anymore is to get information from reliable sources. And you just have to realize that the television and social media, mainstream big social media is all bought and paid for and censoring big time. You, yeah, this conversation really we're having right now, if we tried to put this up on Facebook or YouTube, it'd be taken down immediately. Right. I know. Well, as a matter of fact, um, when I first started this podcast, um, I'm, I'm covering a wide range of topics. I see that there's a lot more to this picture than just COVID going on in the world right now geopolitically, but uh, this seems to be a real hot button topic. And uh, I did an interview with uh, Dr. Sam Bailey here in New Zealand, who's been really vocal about particularly the PCR tests. And um, I was airing the podcast on a local um, public access radio station. And as soon as I did an interview with her, it was immediately dropped. Wow. And she's like a well-known doctor. She's done her homework. She's done a lot of research. She's in fact, she's authored a book uh, called Virus Mania, <clears throat> which I highly recommend people yeah. read as well. It's quite yeah. eye-opening. Yeah. yeah. Well, John, for your listeners, I want to leave them with a message of hope. Your natural immune system is so powerful, so capable of fighting off COVID. You just do the right thing to boost it. And the things you can do are eat real food, avoid the really inflammatory mm -hmm. foods like highly processed foods and sugars, yep. do supplement with vitamin D, reduce stress. People underestimate the impact of stress. So what are the stressful things in your world, in your life that you can do something about? Number one is turn off the television, the telly, I think, <laughs> as they say down there, and, yeah. uh, and get, off, get off social media. And another thing is get outdoors, get out into nature. You will notice that actually the, the, the natural world is absolutely fine. I don't see animals running around with masks on and I don't see them dropping dead. Um, yeah. And then the other thing is, you know what, if you live in a loving community, that is surround yourself with loving people. Remember, physical contact is very, very important for humans. So, you know, hug, yep. hold hands with people that you care about, that you love. This does wonders for your immune system. Get enough sleep. It is actually restorative. That's why we sleep. And yep. selectively supplement when you're in crisis and you will be absolutely fine. So I wish you all the best for these holidays and in this upcoming new year. It's our year to grab back our freedoms and fight for our freedoms, stand for what we want. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you so much for your time. I will get the word out there. And anybody listening, please do share this message. It is super important. Don't take our word for it. Do your own research. See if what we're saying is true. Um, with that, thank you again. And until next time, keep Sounds asking good. questions. Yep. Thank Take you, care. John.